Welcome to Bear Books Podcast. I'm Daisy Ray. And I'm April Berry. This is the podcast that introduces indie authors to their readers. Together, we're looking for our next favourite author. A big warm welcome to Bear Books Podcast. This week, we are interviewing Lisa Wright. She is the author of Operation Amethyst. The synopsis for the book reads like this. A marine's toughest challenge is to protect a sweet and sour force of nature, whether she likes it or not. Can he protect her in a dangerous shell game until he can take her home? Looking forward to this interview. I was really, really, really excited to actually start this book because when we first got it, I had a quick look at the first chapter. And the first chapter was all action. The helicopter was shot down, everybody was killed, but the central character... There was it, it, there was some amusing moments in the drama as well, where she was climbing up a tree and having a fight with a monkey over a banana. Um, and it was set in the in the Vietnamese War, which for me is is that kind of sort of thing really really interests me. So I was really looking forward to getting my teeth into this. Uh, yeah, definitely your cup of tea on paper. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the Vietnamese War was you know was was not something that really sort of touched the lives of of British people that much Um, but it but it touched the lives of american people in a massive 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 way and even to this day there's still sort of hangovers from that it's a a very 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 sensitive subject to be writing a book about i was really really pleased that we'd got something like this that had come across the desk so to speak of bear books podcast yes not the norm for sure and definitely something that you've always shown an interest in that type of story anyway so this was going to be more your cup of tea than mine. I was more captured, if you like, by this sort of slapstick humour of the romance side of things. I think lightening the mood, as it were. Yeah, there, there was a there, there was a bit of a need at times to lighten the mood. I think that that Lisa's research into this has been really good because obviously it was quite what's the word I'm looking for it was really it was in depth yeah it was real uh, about some of the things that happened and it showed the brutality of the Viet Cong right up to the very very last chapter of the book and we're going to have a a listen to what Lisa had to say about it now then yeah let's learn about all the research that she's done because it is really interesting to listen to Today we are joined by Lisa Wright, who has written her debut novel, Operation Amethyst, which I am in the middle of reading and it romps along, doesn't it? We've got Lisa with us today. So if you'd love to introduce yourself, Lisa, in your own words, tell us a bit about you as a person, as a writer. What inspires you? I'm Lisa Wright. I live in Minnesota, the United States. It's very cold here right now. I am inspired by um, music, art, painting. I'm also um, very much inspired by dreams. Uh, I'm also an empath, so that also inspires me um, when I can pick up on people's feelings. A lot of what I do, I feel very compelled to do. Are you an empath for people generally or people that you know? Um, I know a lot of empaths. There are a lot of empaths in my family. Yeah, I can I can read people very very well. Wow, it's just an, an, a natural gift that we have. But um, that's part of the reason I wrote this book. Oh. That's really interesting. So so is that what prompted the the sort of Vietnam setting, Lisa? Because 
that really interested me. Part of it is because I'm an empath and I do know a few um, Vietnam veterans and um, they suffered. They suffered a lot from what they went through, their experiences. And I kept having dreams. And like I said, I felt very, very much compelled to write the story about what they went through. But I didn't want to make it a real heavy story. I wanted it to be somewhat lighthearted, but at the same time call attention to what they went through because it's such a taboo subject still for a lot of people. Um, Some people want to talk about it, some people don't. And that's kind of why I ended up writing a story about the Vietnam War, even though I don't have anybody in my family personally that was in the Vietnam War, um, but I do know a few people. Wow, that's quite a big inspiration, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it, for me, it was a big inspiration. So how do you Just channel for, that into the actual writing process? Do you need to like write in silence or do you need stuff around you? Do you need to be in a certain environment? I like to be in my office and just have generally have my dog in my lap, but he's out in the other room right now. And I listen to music, a lot of music from the 60s. I also spent a lot of time doing interviews with Vietnam veterans. And the reoccurring thing that kept coming up for them was the music and how important the music was to them. So I created my own playlist and then I would listen to that music and um, kind of basically help me channel their thoughts and their feelings and, you know, for what was going on and the way it was for them. That prompts me to ask another question about that. So, So obviously research, talking to Vietnam vets. I mean, I can imagine that some of their stories were quite harrowing, but you said earlier that a lot of them don't like to talk about it. So how did you sort of draw the information out of them to be able to get the basis and the research for the story? Well, what I did is I went to um, the American Legion, um, where a lot of the Vietnam veterans that my family knows um, go to, you know, socialize. You know, they knew I was there and I put it out there. If you want to come talk to me, That'd be awesome. If you don't want to talk, I will respect that. Basically, I let them tell me what their boundaries were. You know, you tell me what you want me to know. And that seemed to work out pretty well with them. A lot of them just love talking about it. You know, and it was funny because I had one of them tell me, you know, nobody's ever asked me. Nobody outside of, you know, their regular social circle of, you know, veterans. And they said, nobody has ever asked me. And it was just like, oh, my God, how sad. And yet these guys really, really wanted to talk about it. So, I mean, and I was up front with them in the beginning. I said, you know, this is going to be a historical romance. You know, if you don't want any part of it, that's fine. I understand. But, you need, you know, I thought that they needed to know that. Yeah. It's got a bit of spice in it. Um, it's got a lot of spice in it, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I've never known so much about another woman's bosom. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a lot of spice in it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a war story. It's a romance within a war that has got a lot of death rates. So so the story itself has got quite a substantial sort of death rate, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's that sexual side to it as well. Yes. Is that what you had in mind when you were writing it or did that just naturally organically grow? It kind of naturally organically grew because one of the questions I asked the gentleman that I spoke with is, all right, back then, this 50 years ago, you were in the Army or you were in the Marine Corps or whatever 
branch of the military they were in, what would you have done if you would have seen this girl? If this girl would have been there, how would you have felt? What What would you have done? What would you have liked to do? And basically it was them that um, kind of told me how to write it. The characters themselves, you know, I like to let the characters write their story, tell me what their story is. And um, I, I tried to tone it down way more. I mean, there were, I had some people tell me, oh, you have to have more. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want more. You know, it was different for me. It was, it was hard at times to write some of it. Yeah, It, it, yeah. Was, it was very difficult. I can remember writing one love scene and I was out in my sunroom and my husband was out there and I'm writing it. And he goes, you're blushing. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to write this and it's, it's not easy. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it was learning what I was comfortable with writing and how far I wanted to take some things because really I, sometimes I think I should have scaled some things back and yeah. it all depends. So all those conversations you had with, with all of the chat, uh-huh. did you use the information you gained from them to base the story or did you actually bring them themselves into the story or any of the characters, the people that you spoke to physically or emotionally? Emotionally, yes. Um, situations, yes. Um, actual characters, no. Right. And it's because, you know, it's kind of respecting their privacy too. At the same time, some of the things that happened were things that really did happen mm. like the um making popcorn with c4 those are things that they really did do and i i heard that when i was like oh my god that's perfect yeah there were a few acronyms in there that i didn't get i had to look them up <laughs> so yeah it was in the back and when you're reading on a kindle you don't see the back first <laughs> so we had to figure it out as we went along yeah the thing's probably well i think some of it you were supposed to there was supposed to be a link to the um, dictionary for it. Mm, okay. So, Lisa, talk to us about Elijah. Elijah. Uh, Elijah, yeah. yeah. Is he immoral and wanton? I mean, there was a part there where he was watching Elise shower rather than watching the surrounding area for the danger. Or is he the hero of the piece as a protector? Having said that, I've read the end of the book. Daisy hasn't, so please don't give too much away. And you don't want to give spoilers away anyway. That's true, too. Elijah's a man. He's torn between being the Marine and being the man. Yes, he's um, he's the protector. He's the hero. He has to be the authoritarian. Um, he's He follows orders. He's by the book. But at the same time, he's still a man. He's still going to um, have that struggle between uh, man and Marine. I mean, I know the last couple of chapters were quite hair-raising um, in in some respects. And then, I mean, obviously, then the, the the last, very last chapter was, I'm assuming, a while after. Yes. But it was quite harrowing. And from, from my point of view, there was a lot of grit in that novel. And I was kind of sort of struggling to see how it was a romance novel. And I know it was, but I was kind of sort of struggling. It was more about, for me, the issues of the war and the things that they had to deal with and the way they had to live and the dangers that they were facing on a daily basis. That is very true. And that's what I wanted it to be. I didn't want it to be strictly a romance novel or strictly a a war novel. I wanted it to be a mix where you had action and adventure and, you know, scary things happening and at the same time you know your romance and 
your fun, you know, with the things that she got herself into. I really wanted it to be all of those things. Yeah, I've got to say about about Elise. I mean, she wasn't very good at behaving herself and following orders and doing what she was supposed to do. You know, I think there'd have been far less danger if she'd actually sort of thought about it a little bit more, you know, and, yeah. and thought about what she was doing. You know, that, that was, I'm assuming, your intention to make it like that. Yes. Elise was definitely a free spirit. She was used to being on her own in a way, even though she grew up being um, so protected that she was absolutely rebellious sometimes i'd write something i'd like at least really you really have to do that you know why do you have to do that but i felt that it was it was her i, th- I thought it was part of her spirit and i think that she um eventually grew up and calmed down yeah when you watch like movies and stuff particularly movies that are aimed at a male demographic they mm-hmm. like their women to be virgins and look like whores if you like <laughs> and elise is a little bit like that i mean she's barely dressed at all she wanders around in men's boxes and a t-shirt tied underneath her boobs and bare feet yeah. practically all the way through so she's totally sexualized but she's also a virgin and she's a talented ballerina she's a strange character for me yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she, she invoked quite a lot of emotion in me. Was that your plan, do you think? Yes. Well, you have to remember, too, in Vietnam, it's, you know, over 100 degrees with, you know, 100% humidity, extremely hot. She's independent. She's strong. She's, but she's spoiled. You know, she, she's mm-hmm. had to fight every step of the way for everything that she's ever had. Yeah, I got I got that she was a bit impetuous. It was like the first thing that she ever did that there's a few things she did. I mean, you know, who who'd think about climbing up a tree and having a fight with a monkey over a banana was <laughs> one of the things that I thought was I quite like that bit. <laughs> yeah. But then there was a little bit a little bit further on where because of the skills of a of her ballet skills, she was able to jump the river. Mm-hmm. And the she spring, didn't yeah. think what could have been on the other side of that. Right. That's the impetuous side of her. You know, she's like, you know, I can do this. You know, I'm just going to do it. You know, not really thinking about um, what could have been on the other side. And I think the thing for Elise, you have to remember, too, is that Elise has lived in Vietnam since she was, what, 10 years old. Um, She's almost desensitized to some of it, where, you know, you have... um, a Marine coming in and, you know, he's been there six weeks and he, you know, he's fighting for his life every day, you know, and he, everything was strange to him, the, the weather, the the humidity, the heat, the, um, the food, even the food they served in the camps. It's all foreign to him. A lot of that, at least, is already comfortable with. She does not necessarily see the danger where they might see the danger because she has lived there for so long. Yeah. Even though granted she, you know, she lived in the city. It's still, um, I like to think that she was a bit desensitized to some of it. And so some of the things that she did, she did it because she didn't see the danger in it because she was used to it. You did make me laugh quite 
a lot at one point. In fact, I had a bit of a belly laugh out loud because she decided she'd had enough of everyone just talking to her breasts and being in camp and she wanted to go home. So she just took all her clothes off and sashayed out in this one and a half sections of an orange bikini that she had at the beginning, yeah. gaffer taped together. Yeah. <laughs> and she just decided to leave in what she came in and not take anything with her. And then she right. had to be chased down and she had a grapple with him. And the bra's off and she's straddling his face. And I'm like, oh, my God. I thought it was hilarious. I thought of all the things to happen to someone that doesn't want to be stared at and wants people to talk to the face, not to the chest, right. to end up with no clothes on straddling a man's face. I did have a lot of fun writing some of the, some of the parts. It was, I'll bet. It was, um, <laughs> and it's, it's only because I, I would dream those parts and it's just like, Oh my God, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and just like, I'd go write it down right away. And it's just like, oh, that's funny. You know, that I can maybe make that work somehow. <laughs> you have some good dreams, you do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just like, I mean, how can we get her into situations where she can just be mortified at some of the stuff that they say and do? And then maybe they're embarrassed too. I don't know how far you've gotten, but um, there are some pretty funny things that happen to her. Mm. Mm. I've got mental images of her hopping across the lookout points from turret to turret when she yes. <laughs> puts herself in danger and she's drawing gunshot from snipers because she's oh, just yeah. not thinking about risk at all in any way, shape yeah. or form. Nope. No, she's not. And that's where she's really impetuous. And that's yeah. what she had to learn. She had to learn to listen. When you're that young, you know, I remember doing some stupid things too. Um, some of us people, don't stop. Yeah. Yeah, some of us still do those stupid things, even yeah. at an older age. <laughs> but I, yeah. I like to think that, you know, people learn and they grow and they, um, they learn from their experiences and, that at least did too. Yeah. Um, and I kind of mentioned this in the book too. She, she had to fight for her respect. She had to fight for um, just getting them to see her as a person that she was smart and she was able to, you know, take care of herself, even though they didn't think she could because she was a woman, but her father had specifically trained her to take care of herself yeah, I suppose it was a different world in the sixties. Yeah, in the yeah in the middle of war and in the middle of the military. Um, and I don't want Marines mad at me, just <laughs> chase me down, just yelling at me, hey. But um, it, it could be pretty sexist, you know. There there is a lot of sexism, and there was way more back in the sixties. And, and women had to fight for everything that they had. You know, yeah. they had. Well, I mean, we here in the United States, we had, you know, we had the women's movement. Um, you know, they, they burnt their bras. They just said, we're not taking this anymore. You know, they had to fight for, against the chauvinism and, and the sexism. It, and then Elise has to do that in Vietnam with these men. I noticed at, at sort of at the end of the book that was one of the things that she said and that was quite a telling sentence when when they were talking about her being the, the prima ballerina in South Vietnam right um, and she said I didn't get it handed to me on a plate you know it wasn't given to me 
you know, I earned it. But one of the things that I was curious about is as a ballerina, she's barefoot in the jungle. Surely she should have been looking after her feet. <laughs> this girl's been barefoot since the day she was born. Um, so, and you know, that's funny. I, I read your list of questions and I was like, oh my God, how do I explain that? Because really I expect you to come after me and say, why won't you let her have a pair of pants? You know, <laughs> that's what I was expecting. <laughs> like no pants. Um, she's been barefoot since the day she was born. She just doesn't like to wear shoes and she loses them constantly. And I thought about it too. And I thought about, you know, trying to find her some, you know, the, the Vietnam Vietnamese sandals, you know, what they used to wear in their feet. And I thought, mm, no, Elijah would not like to see that on her. Going through the jungle, I mean, the VC, 99% of the time were barefoot themselves. Um, a lot of the Vietnamese people, if you ever see the, the pictures of the, you know, the, ch the children, they're, they're barefoot. Everybody's barefoot there, basically, unless you were in the military. Or they had just like simple sandals to wear. So more, it was more a, a thing of the time rather than your writing, really. You were just put drawing on what was actually happening, do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know when she spent a day with the ladies? Yes. And, and she came out looking <laughs> dreadful, really, and drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Why did they not even find her some clothes that she could wear? And it was just like when they gave her some stuff, you know, but still some of it. It just wasn't what they would normally they, their their own civilian clothes were party clothes for when they go out and have a good time you know otherwise they they wore their their military fatigues and really they only allowed them to have a certain amount you know because they had to be able to roll everything up and get it into a duffel bag and haul it away to their next destination so was it so, a case of if you weren't carrying it, it wasn't going? Is that why everybody had so little? Yes, that's it, exactly. Everything they had, they had to put it into a duffel bag or, if you're in the Marine Corps, a sea bag. What does the C stand for? C, for sea bag? For, like, sea rations and, and stuff like that. Oh, um... You oh, heard no, to no. sea rations all the time about what they were eating, but I never did know what sea stood for in sea rations. No, I don't remember off the top of my head. That That's just what they call them. I mean, Google it. <laughs> yeah, Google it. It was a good balancing act, let's put it that way, in terms of the outcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, was eye-opening for me because, there, I mean, I spent probably two years writing this book. And I spent hours and hours and hours of doing research and, and figuring out exactly what the conditions are, exactly what they went through, how horrific was it. Um, I saw a lot of YouTube videos that I was just like, oh, I had to close my eyes. It's just like, oh, that's not good. I don't, I do not need to see that. But I had to, I really felt that I had to understand it um, in order to write about it. I learned a lot about the war and what they went through. And I think by doing that and writing it down, that maybe the people who read it will understand a little bit more. Yeah. Do you and think you were using the sex as a cushion? Realistically, Vietnam and the amount of death, and, and there was quite a bit of death in the book still. So you, mm -hmm. you didn't, like, avoid it. You did still talk about it. But you yes. also, like, cushioned it all the time 
with the fluffy parts of the book about you know Elise being naked generally but like when they were buried underground for a substantial amount of time and they were laying there in the dark not being able to do or see anything and not knowing who was going to dig them up whether it would be the Americans or whether it would be the enemy Mm -hmm. that's the place you chose for Elise to lose a virginity (laughs) yes and I'm I'm like well talk about taking the edge off something horrific (laughs) yeah well, you know, and there's a reason for that, too. I mean, if, if you thought it was your last moments, I mean, what would you want to do? What would you want to be doing with someone that you were starting to really deeply care for? And that's kind of why I did it that way. Okay, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to die a virgin? True. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a sharp contrast, all that death and all that titillation all in the same book. The death is horrific and... You know, at one point in history, this this was people's lives, and it and it's awful yes. that anybody had to live through anything like that at any point mm-hmm. ever. So yes. using using Elise and Elijah's love, I don't know if it was love at the beginning, but lust, if you like, at the beginning uh, to distract from that and make it a little bit more palatable while you're still reading the actual story. I think that was quite clever, oh, and it and you. it made it that bit better for me anyway. I think that kind of helps. Yeah, I, I wanted it to have a good mix of everything. I'd, li- I'd like to think it has some, you know, depth of character in it. Though I can, I can understand frustrations sometimes mm. with Elisa's behavior and Elisa's or Elijah's um, sexism. It, it was a sign of the time, so it was just the way it was 50 years ago. It's just, uh, I mean, we've come so far. We still have ways to go, but we have come a long ways. Yeah, times have certainly changed a great deal since that time. You do have yeah, to remind have. yourself that it was a different era when you're reading it, though, because to read it with today's standards, it's it's like eye-rolling. It's like, oh, God, she's naked again. Yeah. <laughs> they say that everybody's got a story inside them for a book. Everybody. I've not written mine yet. April's not written hers yet. Maybe we won't. Is this your story or is this the beginning of your writing career? What are you looking to do? This is the beginning. Um, I actually just retired from my job um, in July after 33 and a half years. So now I'm able to devote full time to writing as long as I clean my house and work in the garden and stuff like that too. (laughs) I've got a lot more books in me. I'm actually, I have a work in progress right now that I'm working on. Do you think you'll have a link from one novel to the next going forward? Absolutely. They will be linked. Well, that's so. good. It means everyone that likes yeah. the beginning is going to want to follow it through and read the rest. Yes. So where can we find you online, Lisa, and sort of learn more about you as a writer? This is your chance to get a shameless plug for all your social media <laughs> sites, etc. Um, well, my email address is Lisa. L-E-E-S-A, write, W-R-I-G-H-T, author, at gmail.com. And then um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I really appreciate um, you taking the time to, um, to interview me. Oh, that's absolutely our pleasure, Lisa, honestly. That's wonderful. Lovely. And thank you so much for joining us. It's been really interesting talking to Lisa today and finding out all the conversations that she's had with Vietnam vets and what they would want to see in a book and what would they would want to read about. It doesn't always correlate to what I'm reading in the story itself, if I'm fair. I think that could be a whole other book right there with all of those conversations. That could be really interesting. But let's just do a quick 
review of the actual book and the interview itself and see where that takes us. I thought it was really interesting, the research that she'd put into the book. It, it kind of shows out and there's a lot of realism in there. Yeah. One thing for me was the love story. I'm trying to sort of get my thoughts out about the, this love story because the book and the story and the meat, it needed those characters in the book and it needed that romance, I suppose. Like relief from the horror, you mean? Yeah, I think so. But what I think I'm trying to say is it needed it for the outcome of the book. But I'm not overly sure that the sex scenes enhanced the book. I don't think they were needed. The story itself was meaty enough, was gritty enough, you know, and and the bit where, where Lisa was talking about them being underground and perhaps it was going to be the last time that they'd ever been together. I get that. And, and I suppose that is the thing that you would do if you thought that it was going to be your last day on earth. It's possibly something you'd do. The story itself around the grit and the horrors and the tragedies and the, the brutality of the whole thing yeah. was captured really well in the book. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say because I actually really liked the story. And then I got to the bits where they were like, oh, and I thought, oh, just I wanted to skip that bit because it, mm. it took away from from the meat of the story for me you could have written the same story with the elise elijah pairing and set it in a prison because the men behaved in the same way that i would expect a bunch of lifer cons to act when they saw a woman in that they lost control of themselves and it's all they thought about and anybody ever only looked at elise's chest and she had no personality or worth other than the body that, that she was walking around in. You could have set that in a prison and written the same story from that point of view. But Elise did have some worth because she was a prima ballerina. She so was, she- yeah. So why didn't they make more of that part of it? Why is someone that is talented, dedicated, intelligent, feisty and quite frankly an amazing young woman by all accounts she should have had a much meatier storyline in her own right but really Elise was just utterly and completely sexualized and that was her worth this is like two separate books crammed into one book so you've got the story of Elise and Elijah and, and their romance, if you like. Yeah. Although it was a bit more titillation than just romance. It was very sexual. It wasn't really romantic. But then you've yeah. got the Vietnam side of things with the horrors and the deaths and the war and people killing each other. And yeah. It's horrific what people went through. It's a completely different story to the one that you're reading about Elijah and Elise. It's two separate stories in one book, I think. You could split it into two. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with it's it's two stories into one. Yeah. However, one of the things that Lisa said actually was quite profound in the horror of all that. Elise being in the middle of all that and being relief for those soldiers, those Marines, you know, the military guys that were there, something to take the mind off the next person they were going to kill or were they going to be the next person to be killed? So I suppose in a way I can see it from that point of view. Mm. For me, without the romantic bit, it would have been an absolutely top-notch book. All in all, I thought the story was an amazing story. For me, I mean, and not everybody's going to like every book. The story was an amazing story. But for me, the love story was inconsequential to the plot of the book. Yeah. The characters weren't inconsequential. They had no, to be there. Not. I agree with that. I mean, I'm not really a romance person, so I kind of sort of tied to... It's hardly romance, was it? Well, that was it. It wasn't really, was it? No. If it had been, it might have been a different story. Yeah. So what have we got coming up next week then? Oh, 
next week I've already started reading and I can tell you for nothing I am enthralled. It is Complicated Souls and it was written by Bernie Hellier and the synopsis reads a little bit like this. Complicated Souls is a psychological thriller. Life is going well for newly qualified counsellor Kira Devlin. Toby Phoenix is a troubled man haunted by memories of his abusive childhood. When their worlds collide, a series of disastrous events are setting motion. Convinced that she can help Toby, Kira continues to work with him against the advice of her supervisor. Her training and her gut instinct leads to dire consequences. Complicated Souls is a novella which can be read in two to three hours. But be aware, it is by no means a light read. It contains some hard-hitting content which includes child abuse, suicide, murder and strong language. So be aware. Well, I've not started reading it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I did do a little bit of uh, of research on our author for next week. So yeah. I'll leave that for next week. I am really looking forward to reviewing this one. Okay, we'll see you next week then. Bye. We have been Daisy Ray and April Berry. Come share your opinions about the podcast, our authors and their books on Instagram and Facebook at Bear Books Podcast or Twitter at Bear Books Pod One. Submit your book for a possible future review to submissions at barebooks.co.uk or if you've got any queries or any comments, email them to contact us at barebooks.co.uk. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can find him on Instagram at dadnap.mp3. And if you like what we do here, subscribe and share. Thanks for listening. Thank you.